0: world-class media. This is world-class. I'm your host, Travis Chappell. Here on world-class, we combine value, entertainment, and behind the scenes insights to bring you the most comprehensive view of what it takes to become world-class in what you do. Listen in every week as I have conversations with top business leaders, journalists, hostage negotiators, authors, comedians, producers, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I'll have a chat with them. I believe that the best way to become world-class is to learn from those who already are. And that's exactly what we do here on the show. You'll learn the skills that you need to master, the mindset that you need to adopt, the work you need to put in, all from people who have walked the road before you. So get ready to learn, be motivated, and most importantly, have a good time because you're listening to World Class. Hey there, welcome back to the show. I am really excited today to bring you another amazing interview. And uh, you've been seeing a trend recently of me trying to travel and get out there and actually do some of these interviews in person. And this was another one of those that I was able to do recently. I went out to Toronto Canada to interview a guy named Evan Carmichael and uh, had a fantastic time chatting with Evan over there and realized just how much this guy knows about entrepreneurship. He's been doing it for so long. At 19 years old, he built, then sold a biotech software company. And then at 22, he was a venture capitalist raising 500000 to $15 million. And he now runs a YouTube channel for entrepreneurs with over one and a half million subscribers. He's written four books and he speaks globally. And this guy is literally one of the go-to authorities for building a YouTube channel, especially in the entrepreneurial space. He's, he's consulted and worked with some of the top influencers out there on how to really break into the YouTube space and how to do really well with it. And uh, he's had some of the best people on his show, and he's one of uh, the best aggregators of content that I've ever seen. The guy puts out content like a machine. He is a content manufacturer. So just a few of the things that we talk about, how to grow a YouTube channel, even if you're starting from scratch, what made him start his channel specifically, and why did he turn down a six-figure salary at a comfortable job right out of college? And there's so many things that we go into this Practically, and I cannot wait to share the rest of this interview with you guys. Evan Carmichael, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Thanks so much man. for taking the time. Good to be Well, you flew up from Vegas, so I'm yeah, glad you true. came here. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been a pretty great trip so far, so I'm happy to happy to finally be in studio, though, and uh, checking out this awesome setup that you guys got here, so happy to be here and to get in some really good stuff. We're kind of chatting a little bit pre-recording and uh talking a little bit about where we're going to take the conversation but first really quickly i always like to try to build a little bit of context um just in case somebody out there does not know who you are okay so let's take it back childhood evan i know that you Way back, were okay. very much similar to a lot of the people that we have on the show meaning like always had that entrepreneurial spirit the entrepreneurial drive so take me back like five-year-old evan what was your first your first penny that you ever earned five-year-old evan was was painting pictures with this real little sister and then
1: sold it to my neighbor for $0.05 cents or $0.10. Cents. Nice. That was the first thing I made. And sold. Solid deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They probably just took pity on me, but uh, <laughs> I thought I was making it large. Yeah. I had a bunch of entrepreneurial tendencies growing up. Baseball cards and garage sales. And my mom was really into antiques. And and so we did a lot of garage selling, looking for stuff. And I would always go and sell baseball cards. So Especially in 92, 93. It's a little older now. I'm 12, 13. But the Blue Jays won the World Series. We're here in Toronto. Baseball yeah. fever was blowing up. at the same time that upper deck and baseball cards were, were on fire. So that became a huge obsession yeah. with me. And every week would be going two hours out of town to these baseball card shows. And uh, I would negotiate people who were in their forties and fifties and giving me a dollar that had our dollars are coins. So like a dollar that had gum on it or dirt on it. And like, yeah, I'll take that, whatever. Right. But I didn't know that I want to be an entrepreneur because at that time, I'm 39 now, just it wasn't part of the conversation. People, there was no path to be an entrepreneur. It wasn't, you know. It wasn't nothing. prominent. Yeah, and my parents were entrepreneurs. It wasn't talked about in the media. There was no social media. And so it was just, I wanted to be a banker. That's what I thought I wanted to be. Is that what you wanted to be or is that what your parents wanted you to be? No, my parents were actually very supportive of Good. whatever we wanted to do. And I have two sisters. I'm in the middle. And all three of us went off to do crazy things, uh, which is great. I think that's partly because my mom grew up in a more traditional Italian household. She immigrated from Italy. Okay. And in an Italian household, women are supposed to have a role, and this is what you do. And she wasn't buying that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and so she Didn't went fit off and the mold. Yeah, she yeah. went off and and really broke onto her own path. And so the family back home had one perspective. She wanted to do something else. And so I think that gave us myself, my two sisters, freedom to do. Whatever we wanted. She mm-hmm. didn't want to be the oppressive, like, you have to do this. So to find your own path. And so all three of us went off and did different crazy things. Sure. I just always loved money. I always loved finding ways to make money. And I was into stocks early on. And I just thought, be a banker. Yeah. Like, yeah that, that was, was the, the path. route.
0: Yeah. That yeah. was the way to, to did, go. Did you do well in school and things like that? Did you do something that you enjoyed? Or was it like, let's get out of this? I want to get into what I want to do forever now?
1: I was a B and C student mostly growing up. And my, my sisters were always A students, and I remember always having to have a sit-down conversation twice a year with my parents, look at my report card, and I got Bs and Cs, my sisters got A's, and it was, it was expected that Carmichael's got A's, Yeah, but my parents always did it in a loving way where they would say, "You're is truly Carmichael, you can do anything you believe in, and so always trying to make me feel like I could do it as opposed to I have to do it, and then something happened for some reason in my last year of high school where I went and got straight 90s my own expectations for myself exceeded what my parents wanted for me. I don't know really what sparked that. But after that, I became whatever I focused on, I could be great at. So it's not that I couldn't be great at school. I just didn't super care about it. Yeah, yeah. Especially doing subjects that like science I hated. I sucked at science. Knew zero interest <laughs> Have in Have that it. in common, man. And so like being forced <laughs> to do, I dropped it as soon as I could. Yeah. And then it became a little more interesting getting to pick topics that I yeah. cared about. And so I focused a little more on it. It was never my number one priority going to university. I went to U of T here in Toronto. Okay. I did well. I wasn't top of the class, but I wasn't, I was in the upper part of the class. And what was your major? Finance and economics. Okay. But then I quickly realized that the only path with economics, I loved economics, but nobody hires, like it's not an entrepreneur thing. Right. Entrepreneurship is so like just you and your one business where economics you're looking at. Very macro. Yeah. Super macro. And I realized, man, this isn't super, unless I wanted to go be an economist, this isn't actually that helpful for me. And so I joined an entrepreneur business. I took 30% of a company when I was in my, I want to say, third year. And the hardest decision was, do I go work at Merrill Lynch and and make six figures and travel around the world? Or do I make 300 bucks a month and own 30% of this company?
0: And what do I do? Yeah. Why do you think that you
1: chose the company instead? Fear of regret. So the year prior, I went to Europe, and I was in France, and I was standing outside the Notre Dame Cathedral, and this girl comes up and asks me for directions. So I had my map open, and I thought she was cute, and, and I wanted to ask her out, and it didn't it didn't register for me why is this girl in perfect French asking me for directions? Right, around. right. Didn't didn't <laughs> too nervous, I guess. Right. Uh, and I didn't ask her out. I, I chickened out. Yeah. I was too afraid. I didn't know if I get the right words out in French, and I didn't know where we would go. You know, it was just too afraid. And then, so then she left. I told her where to go and on my map and she left. And then I took a picture of the river because it's on the river. And then when I got home, I took that picture and I blew it up and I put it on my wall. And I didn't tell people the story when they came over that you saw this beautiful French mm, riverside right, picture. Right. But to me, it was like, I don't want to live with regret. Mm. I'd rather no one fail than not know. Yeah. Right. No one failed than not know. And so it hung above my bed in this basement apartment. And every time I looked at it, it was that reminder. So I've been, I've been looking at that picture every day for almost a year. And then this opportunity comes along to get my dream job, the job that my friends all wanted. You know, it's a heavy recruitment. Like they fly me out to the Waldorf store in New York and they lay it all out versus 30% of a company and 300 bucks a month. And then I asked myself, what am I going to, what would I regret? And I said, you know what? I could always get another job. It may not be that job. may not be Merrill Lynch, may not be in Singapore, may not be like all this stuff, but I don't know. I can get another job. Right. This entrepreneur thing, I don't know if I'll ever get this shot again. Yeah. So I had the, that picture on the wall and that reminder of the French girl. I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to give it a year and see what happens. And ever since then, it's been, it's been that lens through which I see the world of, I don't want to live with regrets. So I imagine myself at 95 and just think, am I going to regret this? Because you very rarely regret the things done. It's the actions not taken because you were afraid.
0: So I don't want to be that. Yeah. Why do you think that most people don't fear regret over failure? Because that's something, it's a conversation that I have a lot with people because I'm very much kind of the same way that you are in terms of, that's the biggest fear for me is knowing, like thinking about myself, getting to the end of my life and then just wishing that I had done this or done that or taken that chance that one time. It's because it's a slow bleed. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, because... That regret is something that's going to happen every day for the next X number of years of your life. Like from from now, from 39 to 99, that's 60 years of my life. But it's going to be a little bit of pain every day versus doing it and failing is massive pain. Yeah. And so on a daily, that massive pain of failure is bigger than the little bit of pain of regret. But if you accumulate all those days of regret and then bring it back to today, it actually ends up being way bigger. But people don't feel it because you just see this massive pain and you'll pick the one you don't want to do that massive pain, right? People won't do that. And so I try to imagine myself at 99 in my rocking chair. Now it's over. Like I can't do it. Right. I don't have the energy. I can't chase that down. My mind is going. And now that's decades of regret. And I try to make it more painful, right? Right. To so live in that
0: pain moment.
1: Almost. Yeah. And yeah. bring it back to today. So if you have a hangnail, right. it's going to hurt you. But then if somebody punches you in the arm, you forget about the hangnail. Yeah. Right. And so what I want to do is punch myself in the arm with regret, make it more painful so then i don't feel this thing and so i don't think you can be fearless i just give myself a greater fear right yeah. that thing is scary failing yeah. is scary right that, that asking her out or, or your business tanking or whatever that's real that, that's a fear
0: yeah and i just want to give myself a bigger fear to force me into action Do you think that it's that's like the biggest overarching way to overcome the fear of failure or the fear of almost like embarrassment Hey, I don't want to take this chance because if I put myself out there and I give it a hundred percent effort and I fail, what are people going to think about me? Like it's almost this failure plus embarrassment combined. Is that the number one way to overcome that through just like really thinking about the regret that you might feel?
1: I think that's the number one thing in the moment. Like yeah. if you're in the moment, like there's a girl out there that you want to ask out yeah, and you're terrified that she might reject you. That's the number one thing in the moment to get you to go off and do it. I think if you have a little more time to think about it, what I love doing is... I want to teach myself, I want to inoculate myself against judgment. I want to teach myself that if my heart's beaten, boom, 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 it's a sign that I need to go do the thing. Most of the things that we're afraid of doing are because of other people's opinions right yeah, you're totally. you're playing small because you're worried how somebody's going to judge you you'll sing in the shower but you won't sing on the street corner mm-hmm. you record a video but you won't post it on youtube yeah. you want to do great things but you're afraid of the reaction that's going to happen so that if you can feel that then it's man I don't want to live my whole life playing small because of somebody else's opinion of me now we got entrepreneurs who are watching entrepreneurs we want to do different things We want to change the status quo. There's a lot of people who want to protect the status quo. All those people who want to protect the status quo, they won't like you by default just because of what you represent without knowing you. They just don't like what you
0: represent, so they're going to hate on you. Yeah, you represent the idea of what they could be doing possibly if they were willing to put themselves out there. Sure, you're taking stuff away from them. They don't like that, so they
1: hate you just by definition. Right. So if you want to go off and have a huge impact, you're going to get the bigger impact you want, the more people are going to line up against you who want to protect what currently is. Yeah. And so if you can't do something as simple as ask a girl out or sing on the street or something simple, then you're never going to do the big thing. And so I see it as, as lifting weights. So I want to train myself that I do scary things, that I do things that make, when my heart beats, that's a sign you have to go do it. So for example, if we're talking about recording a video in public, for me, the first time that was super scary taking out my video camera, not even a phone at the time, and just walking in the street and, like, who is this crazy guy <laughs> on the street filming himself?
0: Right. I felt super awkward. And because and I... Because this, this was, I mean, this was before vlogging was, like, super popular.
1: Yeah. 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 The first one might have been, I don't know, six years ago, something yeah. like that. But because I feel the nervousness of it, then I have to go off and do it.
0: Just because. Even if it doesn't serve me, just because. Right. The whole, like, if you... If, what is it? If you, if you can't, you must. And if you must, you can I think.
1: That I see as more like of, of responsibility. Like if you, have the, if you have talents, you have skills, then you have to go off and serve the world and share those gifts. Hmm. What I'm talking about is I want to eliminate your opinion of me. I call it the Quincy Jones rule because he had this great line where he says, not one drop of my self-worth comes from your opinion of me. And I want to get to that. Yeah. And I'll do things even that don't make sense in that we're in a dance studio. I own this studio. My, uh, we had a bachata dancing team that won a local dance competition. Awesome. And they're mostly girls. So I took them out to a nail salon to get their nails done, mm-hmm. celebrate the victory. And then one of the girls joked, hey, Evan, are you going to get your nails done? And the first reaction is, I'm not going to get, <laughs> no. Like, no, that's not how <laughs> yeah. I express myself, which is the only real answer. It's not how I express myself. Right. But also lingering in the back of my head is I'm scared. Yeah. Like I'm going to get judged for it. How many YouTube videos, like how long the nails last two weeks, how many videos are you going to make? Right. (laughs) And most of the people who watch my content are new people, right? Right. 80% of my traffic, they're new people. They're not my subscribers. Mm. They're brand new people. That's a healthy growing channel. And so you might tell your buddy, go watch everyone's video. And then, then I'm here with... (laughs) nails, right. right? Like, but because that was even part of the reason then I had to do it. And so I got my nails painted. It's not, has nothing it's to just do with about it.
0: creating the habit. That, that's not the thing that's going to drive you to the next level of success. It's just about creating the habit to constantly be putting yourself in the situation to where you just don't care about what people
1: think. Right. Anytime you feel yourself backing down because of somebody else's opinion, yeah. that's a sign to go. You have to do it. Love it. Yeah. And even though it seems unrelated in that, whether it's dancing on the street or filming or painting your nails or, or taking a dance class or whatever it is. The fact that you were afraid of it and you did it builds you to the next level. Yes. Because it's better to not even catch it. I think people play small by default. I think we're so afraid of other people's opinions by default that we never catch it. And it's better to be ignorant and not catch it than to catch it know you're afraid, and back down. Because now you're teaching yourself that story. Right. I'm afraid, so I don't Now you're creating the opposite habit. Yeah, it's a right. negative spiral. Right. You're telling yourself you suck, that you're afraid of things, and then you don't follow. Even if you're posting like, hey, look at me on Instagram, right? Yeah. And then you go home, and you know that's a fake win. Like, yeah. it doesn't count until it's hard. Right. And so, when you can learn to tie your self-esteem to the effort, to be proud of your effort, not the winning I think that's when that's where self-love comes from. That's where self-confidence comes from. That's where self-respect comes from. And then less of your self-respect
0: comes from what other people think about me. And how important are those things playing into your career as an entrepreneur, as a content creator, whatever it is that you're doing, self-trust, self-confidence? I think it becomes the whole game because if you want, if you just want to photocopy
1: your life every day over and over again, then it's no problem. Great, you know how to do right. that. You're in your comfort zone. Awesome. And if, if that's probably not your audience, yeah. <laughs> right? But right. that could be some people. Yeah. Awesome. But if you want growth and you want change, you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to be doing something different, then that requires courage. And I think humans are built to serve. I think you're either built to serve the world. Mm-hmm. You and I we want to help a lot of people with our skill sets. And some people, like my wife, are built to serve the 25 closest people, family. Don't have a huge mission, but just the closest family friend and friends. Mm-hmm. But either way, you're built to serve. If you're not happy, you're not serving. So you want to serve. But you're also afraid of judgment. It becomes a problem because serving requires other people. But if you're so worried about what they think of you, then you never do anything. You've got your foot on the gas and a brake at the same time. So you, you have to go off and serve and release the control over what some people will think about you so that you can actually drive the car forward. So if you can't do some basic things, every move that you make, like you're here flying up from Vegas to film this video, if getting on camera is scary to you, if interviewing somebody face-to-face in another country is sc- great, like, do it. <laughs> You have to do it. You don't want to teach yourself that you play small. And it's not what your friend thinks or what I think, or my guy thinks. It's like you at night, when you go home, when you sleep, are you proud of yourself for what you did today? And if you can answer yes, you're going to do great things.
0: And if inside your own head, you know, you played small, it's going to destroy you. You said something earlier, you said, if you're not happy, you're not serving. Can you expound on that? Yeah. I think, I think
1: 99.999% of people are built to serve. I think we get we get happiness by helping other people with what we can help them with. I think there's a tiny, tiny percentage of people who enjoy killing people. You got brain chemicals yeah. kind of messed up. But most people aren't like that. Right.
0: You know? yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, hopefully. hopefully we, would, yeah. we wouldn't be here. In general, we, yeah. We
1: want to, like, think of your greatest moments. They involve somebody else. Think of yeah. your, your happiest, most proud moments of all time. They involve somebody else. Mm. You've helped. The winning for you, the great moments won't just be receiving some check or making a lot of money. It's like, how are you going to use that to help somebody else? So so we're wired to serve. Just not everybody's wired to serve the world. So you have to understand your style. For people watching this show, they're probably wired to serve the world. Entrepreneurs, we want to make a big impact, a big change, a big difference. Yeah. But not everybody's built that way. Some people just, they want to serve the closest people, friends, family. Yeah. You know, my wife is still in touch with people from... Her grade one in China, you know, like she keeps in touch with people. Like, oh. she's a master networker, I guess, yeah. too. But, <laughs> but I don't care that much about people like that. I want to help the world. There was a really interesting question that somebody asked me. Uh, like, would you rather? Would I rather have a hundred thousand people really understand my message and get it, or my son? And I picked a hundred thousand people, and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> like wasn't side. wasn't happy, right? Now I don't know. Why, no, no, she wasn't not happy. She okay. gets it, but it's just a different approach. Yeah. Right. Now where does it? I don't know. What's the number? Is it is it one thousand? Is it five thousand? Right. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to go down that slippery. <laughs> scale. But but that idea of ultimately, if my wife really needed something from me, I would be there for her. But at the end of the day, I need to be free to be doing the work that I love doing. And so you have to find a way to serve. And I believe that your purpose comes from your pain. So whatever the thing you struggled the most with, the most painful moment of your life of all time, your purpose for the rest of your life will be helping other people who are currently going through that pain and struggle. So like I struggled so much as an entrepreneur. I was making 300 bucks a month. I felt alone. I was too embarrassed and ashamed to tell my friends how much I, I was struggling. I felt just worthless as a human. I yeah. mean, I wasn't suicidal that far down, but mm-hmm. I felt it was the worst moment of my life. Uh, really like imposter-like as well too. yeah and tell my friends yeah. like like i'm an entrepreneur but yeah telling my friends more. that i'm living the entrepreneur life right. i can't come hang out with you because i'm busy grinding right meanwhile right. it's the but 20 not bucks seeing any, yeah exactly i can't afford the 20 bucks it's going to be for pizza and beer that's why i'm not going deep yeah. down and but you don't want to admit that of course
0: yeah, but because you're the I, entrepreneur
1: and i made it harder on myself right. like i should have I'm, they would have been understanding they might have mm-hmm. razzed me a bit but they would have been understanding mm-hmm. it's my own fault for not being more open with that right but i didn't know enough i'm 19 you know i'm mm-hmm. just getting started. And so because I struggled so much now for the rest of my life, I'm going to be helping entrepreneurs.
0: Okay. So this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, world-class media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years. And over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done for you podcasting solution, as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best which is serving your clients, and running your business, and then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with, and I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischappell.com slash podcast. That's Travischapel.com slash podcast, and we'll chat real soon. Going back into your story, you were coming out and thinking about taking this job that was, you know, six figure salary and really the ideal dream job, Mm -hmm. especially for the career path that you were trying to go down. Versus struggle, struggle, struggle. Here's thirty percent plus three hundred bucks. Yeah, the ability to delay gratification. Can you talk about how important that has been in your entrepreneurial journey? That's
1: interesting because I think of gratification as the process more than the result. The end result. Yeah. yeah. So like gratification for me isn't making a hundred thousand dollars or for my YouTube channel getting to a million subscribers. Like I didn't even want to celebrate million subscribers i celebrated for my fans because they kept asking me but for me it's if i'm swimming i don't want to reach the island i want to swim forever i don't want to hit the top of like when you hit the top of a mountain you hate your life i want to climb so it's more
0: like training yourself to really enjoy the journey and that's what it actually is yeah like the people who
1: win the entrepreneurs that you look up to they love the process of the thing they love doing the thing yeah money is important but it just can't be number one it has to be in your top five though, because a lot of entrepreneurs fail because money is too far down on the list. <laughs> yeah. It's like number 100. Right. Like, oh, I don't need to ever monetize yeah. this show or podcast. Okay, well then you, you suck, right? <laughs> like even a charity needs to make money. right? But it just can't be number one, but it needs to be in your top five. So I love the thing. I love making videos. I love doing interviews. I love helping. Even the show, I don't know. I didn't ask how many people watch a show. Maybe it's four, maybe it's 4 million. It's not about how many people watch a show. It's about the conversation. Right. I want to spread the message. So I love the work. much so i wanted to taste the entrepreneurship world Mm -hmm. because i was worried that i would regret it if i didn't go off and try i didn't actually expect it to work most businesses don't work and i didn't know what i was doing so and we're selling scientific software and i sucked at science and i'm the sales guy right (laughs) it's like
0: it's not
1: lining up to look good for me but i needed to know i needed to know just to taste it to try it to experience it so that's what i was after
0: so then what, what ended up happening then with that company so
1: we struggled for the first I don't know, 16, 18 months, mm. really badly. Weren't making any money. I was too afraid to get on the phone and talk to people because I was worried that I would sound like a kid and I'm selling to people who are 56 years old with all these PhDs and yeah. I sucked at Deep science. Deep understanding of the actual Deep world. understanding yeah. like that they wouldn't respect me. And it was also different 20 years ago. was There's a little more cred for young people now with social media and expertise mm. than, than back then. So we struggled a lot. And the worst day of my life was when I told my partner that I quit. We had a family function. And it just, it wasn't working. We're not working. We're not making any money. I feel like a loser yeah. all the way through. I'm not at some family function. And this and was
0: like 16, 18 months in, you're, you're yeah.
1: saying, that, they, that you told him? Yeah, <laughs> like Thanksgiving or something like that. And he calls me on the phone, and we're disagreeing over what to do next, just like you're going to do when things aren't working. And at the end of it, I just said, I quit, man. Like, I got to move on and feel like I'm a worth, I have worth as a human being. And then I hung up the phone, and I just started bawling. Stuff kind of in my eyes, my nose, just... I couldn't imagine I was quitting on something that I loved, right? That I just felt still too soon that I hadn't given it my all. And I remember my mom came up and put her hand on my shoulder. And I don't remember what she said. I was just lost. And then woke up the next day and I said, I can't quit yet because it's still the regret. Like I haven't given it everything. I know it's hard. It's rough, but I haven't given it everything. I would still rather know and fail than not know. But I can't keep doing the same thing we've been doing because this isn't working. It's not working. It's not working. Something has to, <laughs> to right. change here. So I asked myself, who's built a software company before? And I looked at Bill Gates' story. He's the first guy I could think of in software. And I looked at how he went from zero to one, not how Bill Gates makes an extra million now. You know, who cares? But right. zero to one, how do you do it? And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try applying new strategies to my company. And I woke up that day and went back to my business partner's apartment. So we worked out of his, his place. And to his credit... You know, he opened the door and just let me in and
0: we just started working. No conversation. Yeah, anymore. no,
1: like, like, I thought you quit, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's right. the deal? Why are you so negative? Nothing, you know, just to his credit, right? Yeah, and just, so we just sat back
0: then. <laughs> Come on in. I
1: worked at his dining room table and and we just went back to work. Yeah. And I started modeling Bill Gates' success and, and they won through partnerships. And so I started applying the partnership strategy to my business. And pretty shortly after, got my first check for $13,500 from a company in the UK. And for me, that was... That was money. That was yeah, bank. Proof yeah, I mean, of concept. Yeah. And, and, but like money, you know, like right. just money. I make making 300 bucks a month. This right. is 13 and a half K this is, this is serious. And yes, we had a model to follow. And then that started the upwards trajectory of the company. Yeah. But also, so I said, your purpose comes from your pain. This is what my pain was so much as an entrepreneur that I help other entrepreneurs. But then the process that you use to get out becomes a recipe for other people. How did I save my company? By modeling Bill Gates. What have I done for the past 20 years? showcase all these famous entrepreneurs and what you can learn from their success. So your, your path
0: out wasn't some random fluke. It's something that you can then teach to other people. So that is then what you did. So you grow the company, you decide to sell basically, mm-hmm. Right. And then afterwards, you decide to get into YouTube. Like, what was that whole decision-making process?
1: So I wish it was super clear like that. You know, I was kind of wandering around, figuring out my path. I sold my business when I was 22. So 19 to 22. My partners both moved to California as a part of the deal. We got acquired by a U.S. company. Okay. They went to California. They were the techies. Didn't need me as the business guy. So I stayed back. Gotcha, And uh, didn't know what to do. I mean, it's great. I got a bank account. Awesome. But now what do I do? All I've done for the past three years is live this company. So I joined up with a venture capital company for a little bit. We never had to raise capital. We were on the cusp. We were talking to some companies, but we got bought before we needed to raise. So I said, I wanted to learn how to raise capital. So I connected with a company here in Toronto and for about a year and a half, worked with them learning. These guys were on their 60s or 70s, knew the street inside yeah. out. And so I was the fresh blood coming in and just learning and soaking up all their knowledge like a mm. sponge. I only knew one industry, but these guys, as a VC, you get access to lots of different yeah. industries. And at that same time, then I started to get asked to speak at different events. So I got flown to Mexico for an Apex Summit representing the Canada team as a young entrepreneur. And then mm. I got flown to Brunei to do another event just as a young entrepreneur success story, kind yeah. of sharing what I went through. And then I came back and I said, well, why only do international things? I should do something here in Toronto for local entrepreneurs too. And so I started that and I just, I don't know, I loved it. My first event here in Toronto was with the YMCA and they asked me to come speak for free at their event. And... I so, said, okay, I'll do it. And it was two weeks out and they booked this huge room. And I remember the day of, I'm so nervous preparing, like I want to have the perfect speech. It's hometown. And three people were there, three people. And uh, like, I spent so much time preparing and, and I thought, man, how am I ever going to make money off of this? Yeah. If, if it's free and only three people show up, Right. but I thought, you know what? They're here. I'm here. I'm not going to As walk well. away. Right. Just, just yep. go do it. So I did it. And, and then it was awesome. Like, man, I really helped those three people. Yeah. I need to find a way to keep going. I didn't know how to ever make money doing it,
0: yeah. but I knew that I had to find a way to keep going. Pause real quick, yeah. because that right there is what I find to be the common denominator in terms of purely content creation. People mm-hmm. that are trying to build an audience around creating some sort of consistent content yeah. is that they want the 1.8 million YouTube subscribers But when the three people show up on their first time, they give up on it because it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Like you weren't attached to the numbers. You were attached to supporting and helping people. And like, if you can get behind your mission and get attached to that sort of the outcome, instead of just like, I want big inflated numbers, then that's in my opinion, really where, where the magic happens. And that's why a lot of people give up and quit so soon because they don't treat the five people as if it's a million people. They want to save all their good stuff for later right? Like they just want to keep sure. pushing it off. Like, well, one day when I get a million, then, then I'll take it more, more seriously when I have a million subscribers, or, or I'll take my speeches more seriously when there's 500 people there instead of just, you know, three people there. So what would you say to somebody out there that's like really kind of on that hustle right now?
1: So one, again, tying your self-respect to the effort, not the result. Like, are you proud of your effort? I was proud of myself for doing those three people, even though it was only three people. Like, I was proud. Two, that you enjoy the process, right? Again, you have to enjoy the process of doing it. I love doing it. Even though it's only three people, I still love the conversation and helping them. And then three, which has been a more recent one that I've added in, is expect to suck at the start. You're going to suck. A big problem is you expect to be great. (laughs) Like, I can do that. You watch somebody on YouTube and say, I can do that. And then you go and you do it. And you can't do it. And then you're embarrassed by what you look at. It's like, I didn't realize I suck so much. And somehow you're shocked. Yeah. No, I, I don't know yeah, why. You, you watch yourself <laughs> back and, man, that <laughs> sucks. And then, and then you never release it or you release one. And, and so that's... Oh, that's just not for me. You know, that's just not... Well, that's the thing. But then if you only do stuff you're great at, because you tie your self-respect to the winning, mm. then you're only going to do things that you're going to win at. Mm. And so then you play small for life. Right. Where I don't think that I suck as a human. Mm. I just don't have the <laughs> yeah. skill yet. Yeah. So you're coming in here and filming these videos. We've got this set up. I don't know. Maybe you're nervous with all the lights and everything else you're doing. But, dude, we've done 6,000, 7,000 videos. (laughs) Like, it's unfair to compare. And I would only use a comparison as a kick forward where most people kick themselves down. So I look at Young Les Brown. I know Les Brown, the speaker. Mm. Young Les Brown is my hero for a speaker. In my books, the number one speaker of all time, Young Les Brown. Mm. I look at that and say, man, that's like, I don't know if I could ever be that great. But I use that as inspiration for what's possible. Not, I suck, so I should stop. But I think you need to kick. I think the kick is important. Just what's the direction? You need to kick forward, not to kick down. And so you need to start and try things and at the same time expect to suck. So everything I do at the beginning sucks. It should suck. Like if you don't suck in your first video, you should have started four years ago. Like you actually suck as a human for not having tried four years ago,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? Right. You're supposed to suck at the thing at the beginning. And then- That's what uh, Reed Hoffman always says that. Okay. Like if you- if you're not embarrassed by your first product, then you've launched too late. Yeah, yeah,
1: same yeah. thing. But now apply it to, to whatever you're trying to learn,
0: whatever you're trying to get good at. It just means you don't have the skills yet. And that's okay. How do you get them? Practice, yeah. keep going. So let's talk about that then. So growing a YouTube channel, lots of people are trying to do that. What made you successful at it in a sea of a bunch of people failing?
1: I think you need to figure out what your lane is. So for me, the combination of belief, so that's what I stand for, and try to instill belief in people when they come to the channel. And then also creating content that I wish existed. So I didn't want to do, if you're looking at the top 10 series, for example, I wish you did it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I want to just subscribe to your channel and yeah. you do it for me, right? right? Here it is, gift wrap, the best things that Elon Musk ever said in 20 minutes. Amazing. Right. I just wanted to consume that, but it didn't exist. Yeah. So I made it. And just like every other entrepreneur, it's like you, you figure out what the hole is, what the opportunity is, and then you go and you fill it. But based off of your story, why did I care so much about that? Because Modeling Bill Gates saved my company. And so I wanted to help other people. Once you get through the hurdle, you want to give back. You take a, a step on the staircase, you want to reach back and pull people up to join you on the step that you're at. And so that's why I cared so much about modeling success. So for somebody who's just getting started, first off, I think YouTube is the best place to build a long-term brand because it's the only platform where your content lives forever. Even a podcast, nobody goes back to episode 14 when you have 5,000 podcasts, right? Nobody cares about your tweet from last week but my videos from five years ago are still getting views. So it's the only place where your content lives forever. As long as it's evergreen stuff, like this interview, we're not touching on anything that's specific to this date and this time. It's Mm -hmm. not a news coverage. So in six years, somebody could still learn from this video. But because it has that ability to live forever, it's also the most competitive and the hardest to get started with. So people often quit too soon. And so I actually recommend starting with Instagram because it's easier to get going and get traction and
0: then transitioning to YouTube. Like IGTV specifically or just Instagram in general? All
1: of it. IGTV, okay. Instagram is the best place to start, but YouTube is the best place to live. If you care about building a long-term brand, if you say like, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to be a thought leader for the rest of my life. Great, you need to be on YouTube creating content. If it's, this is my thing for two years to flip it to then give me permission to go do something
0: else, then don't worry about YouTube. Yeah. It's going to take you too long to start building any right. kind of traction. Was there a time during your whole journey where you noticed there was like a big amount of traction that was coming in or was it just a really slow, gradual buildup over time?
1: The decision to go daily on my channel made Mm. a huge difference.
0: Going from one a week to once a day
1: had a huge spike in my channel. Yeah, And then once a day to twice a day had another huge spike. Consistent content wins. Yeah, all the time. And it's hard. So this is where it becomes a challenge because how do you get good quality content out so consistently? And here's what I would actually recommend doing. For a thought leader, right? So Travis, the thought leader. What I care about is how you think. You think a different way. You think differently. I want to know how you think. So even as you walk into here, what you look at might be different than what the average person looks at. How you see this space is different than the average. That's your most important job. I'm coming to you to understand the way that you think. And so most people spend too much time on the editing of their video and not enough time on making the video. So a typical person would spend 20 minutes making a video, and then five, six hours editing it. You're training the wrong skill. You're training yourself to get good at editing. But the skill you want to get good at is being able to speak. Content, Content, speak, like get your ideas out into the world and capture it in a video format. You should spend five, six hours recording it over and over and over again. Right. So that you get to a 10 minute video that needs no editing. And then as you grow, then you hire editors and you surround yourself, you get a team. But your ultimate goal should be as a thought leader, I want to be able to take my message from a 15 second Instagram story to a, five minute IG live TV to a 10 minute YouTube video to a 40 minute keynote to a three day workshop retreat with me. And everywhere in between, you need to collapse and expand your message. That's the right skill to learn. But most people are working on the wrong skill. They don't produce content because they're worried about the fancy editing. Yeah. Now, if you're an editor, your guy, my guy, they need to Danny's editing reel sucks, so no going to hire him. Right. Right? Exactly. It's just a different skill set. Mm-hmm. Your editing reel should be m- most important you making content. So that if that means you just get out your phone and you put it on a tripod and press record and give me something fire, that's going to help your brand much better over short term and long term. Yeah. And then you'll
0: eventually be able to hire somebody to help you with everything else. What do you think is, in your experience, the best performing type of content on YouTube to this point, like top 10 lists or solo shows or interviews, like combination, what do you think has been best performing for you?
1: Within the thought leadership space, mm-hmm. right? Because there's entertainment and prank yeah. channels and food and all that stuff. Within the thought leadership space, I think it's a combination of interviews and then showing me something, showing me the result. Mm-hmm. So like how-tos almost? How-tos, but on the thought leadership, is a little bit harder. What I would love to see you do... Like, what's the one thing that you think you teach people the best at? Networking. So what I would love for you to do is, is take somebody to a networking event and help them. And document. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Follow them along. And you have them in studio like this and say, okay, tell me your story. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Who are you trying to network? Why should people care? What's your story? And then you give them tips like, hey, sit up straight or like, let's go practice and use me as a demo and like, hi, I'm Travis or whatever. Right. But then, then go to an event and film them and show them sucking probably at the beginning. And then, and then Travis, the coach comes back as, okay, next time it's good. It's good. You got the sweats off next time. Just go and say this, right? Right. Like, why are you here? What's, what are you trying to learn from the speaker? Just introduce yourself like that. you give him a little tip and then he goes and he does it. And it needs to be, you know, you have to clean audio so we can hear what's happening. And as long as the camera is not super shaky, (laughs) but you don't need like a huge production around that showing people getting the result will make a huge, huge, huge difference. So I think that's hard to do on a, on a daily basis. So yeah, supplementing right. it with, here are my five tips to get networking. Here's the things you need to do. Or here's the events you need to show up at or how often you should go or how to go to your nerves or whatever the how-tos that, that you would do And one, two, three, four, five. But I would definitely put some kind of live action where you're, you're helping somebody, you're coaching somebody. That's how you actually come across as a thought leader and that when you see them struggling yeah. and failing, because the people watching say, oh, my gosh, that's me. Like, I would suck. I would be nerv- <laughs> nervous, yeah, trying to go right. off and introduce myself.
0: Right right? Yeah. And you become the guy who helps them. Got it. Got it. What about long form, short form? Is there such thing as too long? Should we be going for shorter videos? So it
1: depends on the platform. If you're looking at YouTube, I would say 10 minutes at a minimum. Okay. That's what we aim for internally. Okay. Every video we want it to be 10 minutes long, at least. Got it. No max. My best video is 38 minutes long. Okay. I have videos that are four hours, six hours, eight hours that crush it. It's really hard to get a short three minute video To rank. To do well. It used to be well. It used to be. YouTube used to be more an entertainment platform. Mm -hmm. There was no thought leadership content. It was cat attacks man. And like man falls downstairs and just stuff that you would waste your time on. Comedy shorts and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's evolved. And those still exist. But the longer form is what tends to do a lot better. And so the only short ones that really pop are either some kind of insane news, drama, live action, like man shoots somebody and Right, right? right or music videos. Why? Because the music videos get the repeat. You listen to it right, again and again and again right. and again. That doesn't happen typically for thought leadership. They're not looping your yeah. video all day long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So we, we aim for the it be ten. hella captivating. <laughs> like if, if Danny cut this video and it came back and he gave me a six minute version, like man, we got to find a way to add, like did we not talk about anything else that we can yeah. bring in to make it a 10 minute video? Got it. So that's like very bare in, minimum. Internally, yeah, 10 minutes is what we like. Ideally, it's that what we aim for. Now, if you can't, don't force it. If it's eight and eight's the best you got, then, then you do eight. But better eight minutes of quality than to yes. add another two minutes. But then realize within it that you're, if you talk about networking, you have a deep well of knowledge around networking. It's not just like two things and that's all you can say. Right. So give me more context. Give me another example. Tell me a story, story. or two. Yeah. yeah, like just take me a little deeper. Explain it to me better. Don't say the same thing 18 times, <laughs> which is hard at the beginning when you're filming. Like you, right. If you watch it back, man, I'm so repetitive. Right. But if you're an expert, then take me deep and, and give me more context around it. No maximum. 40 minutes, 50 minutes, yeah. 10 minutes,
0: 20 No such minutes. thing as too long, just too boring.
1: Uh, yeah. 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 So, example, I had Neil Pasricha. I don't know if you know him. He he's sold a million plus books. Local Toronto guy. Okay. We did a 10-part series on how to sell a million books. Educational series. He came up with 10 tips and we talked about it. We filmed 15 to 20-minute videos. Okay. Because edited, that's going to be at least a 10-minute video. Yeah. Right? right? So I said, we, we're going to talk about for 15 minutes on each one. And Danny, my camera guys, at 15 minutes, he's like, five and then when we hit 20 he's like stop yeah so unless we're on some crazy good story Mm -hmm. we'll stop right after 20 minutes and we usually end between the 15 and 20 like once i got to 15 like okay anytime now i can wind it down because i want to get that i'd rather have quantity of 10 minute plus videos like if you can have six 10 minute videos it's better than one one hour video but 10 minute video at a minimum
0: well, look, man, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got a lot of people coming in here. I'm um, about to do a small event I'm in the studio and stuff. So I want to be really respectful of that. I, got, I always got to ask this question. This is like my, my this go-to is it. question. This is the go-to I'm excited. All right. We're almost 300 episodes now. Okay. This is the one. It's all about networking. So this is the question I ask everybody. Who you know or what you know? Which one is more important and why? Interesting. I've
1: used the what I know to get to the who I know. It's probably an atypical answer. I'm an introvert. I don't do networking super well. I do it through... What I know, for example about YouTube, I've helped a lot of the big names in the thought leadership space with yep. their channels. People have been on my channel, I've helped them a lot. And the what I know created the leverage the to create the who I know. Mm-hmm. I think it's a backwards way that most people look at it. Now those people have helped me a lot in then explaining what I do so the who I know becomes important, but the what I know
0: led me to the who I know instead of the other way around. Well, I mean, there's no right answer. That's why yeah. I ask it open ended like that, because I get a lot of different um, answers to that question. So I know that we've kind of like sprinkled this throughout the whole conversation, but can you tell me a specific story in your life, your career, where maybe a connection that you had led you to maybe an opportunity that you might not have had had you not had that connection? Sure. And maybe this would help. Like, let me
1: tell you about networking for introverts. Yeah, perfect. So I'm introverted. May not come across on stuff like this, but I I never talk to the person next to me on the airplane. Yeah. I don't say hi. I could I'm probably the same exact way. I could probably use a lot of your coaching of like how to how to do better at <laughs> stuff. And I I don't know if you know Charlie from Charisma on Command. Have you ever seen that YouTube channel? say the Charisma on Command is oh, yeah. the YouTube channel? Mm-hmm. So Charlie runs a channel. Yeah. And we met at an event, a YouTube event. And he then later made a video. He was like, hey, I, I wanna I want to make a video about you. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, of course, go yeah. for it. And the video was I met Evan Carmichael, this master networker, master networker. How am I the master (laughs) networker? Right. And so like, I was curious as to watching why. So some specific strategies for introverts, since I will never go up, unless I know the person I need to make that introduction and get something Mm -hmm. for the most part, I don't. So how do I do it? One, I speak at events. So I speak and then people come and talk to me after. Yep. I'm not going up and, and I don't attend many events that I'm not actually speaking at. But I've, I've created a lot of, I'm more on the marketing than on the sales. I've created a lot of marketing engine that people know me. Like you asked to come interview me. So here we are. Yep. Amazing. Right? So creating that honeypot that people want to fly into instead of being out. So I speak at a lot of events. Two, whenever I'm at an event, I always wear my branded gear. So if it's an entrepreneur event or a YouTube event, people will recognize, I got Evan Carmichael Believe on the back and the airplane. And so it's like, oh, I think I know that guy. and it, I've seen that somewhere. Yeah. And the people come up and, and right. they say, are you the guy? And it creates a conversation. Now, it's easy because I have a brand. But if I didn't, then I would I would try to have something that would cause attention on myself, right? It's like these shoes. People always ask me about these shoes. These, are like these Japanese wrap shoes. Oh, yeah. People always say, where'd you get those shoes? So doing something that then people will come to me instead of me reaching out. So whether whether you like cowboy hats or some crazy jersey or chains or whatever, something that creates conversation (laughs) to make it easy for people to find you. Next, I always go to the middle of the busiest room and I don't talk to anybody. I pull up my phone and I start doing IGDMs. And what it does is it, it creates energy. So instead of being like at the back of the room, on the phone, or in my room, or whatever, I go to the middle of the room, and I'll just start doing IDM responses. Now, I get a lot of people DMing me, but if you're just starting, you don't have a lot of people following. Look at how many people follow you. Maybe you have 100 people. How many people follow you on Instagram? 27,000. Uh, 27,000. 27, like, that's a huge number. Somebody watching, maybe you have 50. Awesome. Make a video message for all of your fifty. Say, hey, Jim, thank you so much for following me. I really appreciate you. Send. Next. Right? Yeah. You have 27,000, <laughs> go all day. <laughs> Be busy, yeah. Right? and then, But what that does is it raises your energy and then people see it. Yeah. And then as soon as I'm done one of the messages, invariably, somebody's going to come up and talk to me afterwards. Yeah. And so that gives yeah. permission to create the conversation. Then in the conversation, I'm introverted. And I think one of the strengths of it is I listen well. I like to hear
0: their story. Yeah. I, I always argue that. I'm very much introverted myself. I always yeah. argue that introverts make better networkers and extroverts because of that one thing. But yeah, go ahead.
1: You listen better. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always listening and I'm trying to find ways that I can help them. So Charlie came up and he I'd never met him before. I knew about his channel. He knew about mine, whatever, create an opportunity. And he started talking about how he wanted to write a book. And so I said, hey, I've got a—I've got a literary agent. You want me to introduce you to my lit agent? Here's the thing she's going to look for. Here's... And so we had a half hour discussion around the lit agent. And then he was looking at doing a TV show. And then there was a panel about TV shows. Yeah. And so I introduced him to the guy who was doing I didn't know the guy. I just said, hey, Charlie wants you to do a TV show. You, you do... Funding for TV shows, like you guys should connect. And then a buddy of mine, Sean Cannell, if you know Sean, he's, was, a, he's a Vegas guy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, great. Local for you. Chat with him in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So he has his YouTube show, looking to interview influencers. I've been on the show at least two times, and he said, "Hey Sean, you looking to interview more people? Like Charlie from Chris and Command is here. Do you want to talk to him?" Like, yeah, I'd love an introduction. And so yeah. I introduced them. I okay, go to the value ad. Right. And so I'm not even thinking about that naturally. I'm just trying to help. I'm listening, and then here, how can I help? And that, I'm a master networker now, apparently. Right. But
0: honestly, yeah. you are. Yeah, that's yeah, it, That's, that's, it. that's how it is. That's all it
1: is. Even though I think it's I'm the worst networker of
0: all time. Out. Yeah. I'm looking for the way that yeah. you can just add some value and help out. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. It's really as, as simple as that.
1: So I think it's creating, like the hardest part is probably creating the the conversation that people will talk to you, like going up and approaching to me sounds terrifying. And now that I say that it yeah. sounds terrifying, I need to attack it and do it just because. <laughs> right? You should. Right. So I do it through marketing. I do it through speaking. I do it through branding. I do it through having something unique. Yep. I do it through raising my energy with the with the video DM. So specific tactics that people can leverage so that people come and find you. Because if you're buried in the corner at the at the event and head down and... Nothing, you know, exceptional happening. But nobody's going to want to talk to you, and then and then you'll probably leave after forty-five minutes and say, "This sucks," and I wasted my money coming here and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I've had a lot of great opportunities that came. So to your original question, I guess, right? Like even meeting Charlie, I actually went to say hi because I knew his face and I was a fan of his channel. And then then he made a video about me, yeah. and his channel's bigger than mine. And at the time, I had I don't know four hundred thousand subscribers. He had over a million. Mm-hmm. And now I got featured on this channel
0: a million plus people without asking just because I just tried to help them out. That's it. Love it, man. I mean, we could chat so much about this kind of stuff. I know you got to get running. Let's move on to the last segment really quickly. Just a few questions, quick, random questions. It's just the random round. So random round. Really quick. All right. What profession other than your own, do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Professional salsa dancing. I mean, I've kind of done it, but Hardcore. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present, chat with them for an hour, who would it be and why? AP Janini, because he's my favorite entrepreneur of all time. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Video, hands down. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Five
1: S's. Sing. Music on makes me that I want to sing to, raises the energy. Sun, get outside, get some fresh air. Soar, do the thing that makes you come alive. Sweat, some kind of workout. And then scare, which will usually be a cold shower. What is your go-to pump-up song? Right now I have an Alan Walker song. I don't remember what it's called, but it's one of Alan Walker's newest songs. I can All give right. it to
0: you if you like you yeah, want the perfect exact one. Yes, please. What is something that you are just not very good at? Almost everything. <laughs>
1: just... <laughs> Period. Video editing. <laughs>
0: there you go.
1: Ninety-eight <laughs> percent of things more. Like I'm only good at four things, and yeah. that's it. Awesome. Cool.
0: As we get everything wrapped up here, Evan, besides YouTube, what's one place online where we can find you the most? Instagram. Right now, Instagram. Perfect. Perfect. So if you're watching this right now, head over to Instagram. It's at Evan Carmichael. And go ahead and screenshot this episode, upload it to Instagram story, tag me at Travis Chapel, tag Evan. Let us know that you're paying attention, listening to the conversation. We'll jump over there and say, what's up, Evan. Thanks so much for coming to the show cool. today. Oh, and listen, this There's is podcast bucks, primary, like yes, podcast. Sir.
1: Okay. So I want to add a special bonus in. Okay. You've done how many episodes?
0: 300? Almost 300. Yeah. 300.
1: Dude's working his face off to give <laughs> you guys content, right? And, and leveling up his game, flew from Vegas to be here just to do this. And he's finding DC next. If you've gotten value from any of his stuff, Go leave a comment, go leave a review on his channel. Amazing. Awesome. Go, man. Thank you so much, bro. I right.
0: really, really appreciate it. Well, that's it for this episode of World Class. World Class is hosted by me, Travis Chapel, and produced by Eric Skorzynski. It is a World Class Media production. At World Class Media, we produce top-rated podcasts for seven to nine-figure entrepreneurs, executives, real estate investors, and content creators. So if you want your own show... You have the budget to create one, but you just don't have the time or the team to figure it out Then go to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's Travis Chappell, chappel com slash make my podcast. And let's chat to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Thanks so much for joining us until next time. Peace out and stay world-class.